Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Cloud Unfiltered. Today, we have our guest, Matt Bielman of Netlify. I'm very excited to have him here. Hi, Matt. Hi. Great to be here. Yeah, definitely. So, Matt, tell us a little bit about you know who you are, where you came from, and a little bit about yourself. Of course. So, I'm Matt Bielman. I'm uh, the CEO and co-founder of Netlify. Uh, I'm Danish originally and, and started out in a completely different field, had, an, had, had a career a lifetime ago as a musical journalist and then got into tech. Um, the journey into tech took me to, to Spain where I worked as a CTO for a company that built websites for, for small to medium businesses at a very large scale. So we would build like 100 websites a week, tens of thousands of, of, of sites. So, so were those websites based on WordPress, I'm assuming? No. So, so no, no, like <laughs> there's no way I, I would want to, at the time, <laughs> run 10,000 WordPress installs. <laughs> so, um, so, so we actually, like a, the, the, the whole organization I, I led there, built the, the platform that the designers would use to do design with, that the clients would use to do content management with, that powered every single website from brief to production and offered all the functionality around like commercial sites, e-commerce, like private areas and so on, right? And we really focused on, like we were mass producing these, right? So, so as a team, we had to build a platform that we could give to a network of freelance designer and then really optimize for like, how do we make these people extremely productive in 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 bringing high value websites for for to small to medium businesses? So you created that framework is basically what yeah. You did. So yeah. we we built several iterations of 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 that platform internally, and then uh, after a while, I sat down with the with the founders of that of that company, and uh, and we decided to to start a CMS company uh, with the idea of like taking all the knowledge we had built from, from building several iterations of this platform and build a, a cloud-hosted platform that other agencies and other professionals could use to build sites for their clients. So I started that and I actually came to the Bay Area working on that project when I started seeing a fundamental shift in, in the potential architecture of the web. Because traditionally, like all of these web platforms, you mentioned WordPress, right? But the same with Rails or Drupal or, mm -hmm. or anything have been like monolithic applications with yep. the typical NTR architecture and so on, right? And every request comes in, goes to an application server that talks to a database that builds a response out of HTML and sends mm -hmm. it back to the browser. I think every and, single one of our marketing uh, documents calls out this, you know, three-tiered web app, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was like a big thing, right? And those the way you would build for the web, right? And what it meant was that like once you picked essentially your backend system that would completely determine like the world the front end developers lived in and that was okay in the sort of earlier stages of front end developer development when a front end developer would mostly be someone who would get a psd from a designer and then slice it into html and css and then try to integrate that into some more or less horrible template language for for, for whatever framework the, the backend team had chosen right yep but as front end as as the browser really went from being more of a document viewer and to really today becoming a full-fledged operating system powered by javascript and today even WebAssembly and and with like much more complex elements and as we started to see this whole rise of of web apis with an incredible api of of, of 
an incredible economy of APIs and services like Stripe or Twilio or Algolia or Contentful and so on that 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 you can just pull data in from or get dynamic functionality from from the server, right? At that point, front-end development also started turning into real software development. You started to have like dedicated front-end frameworks. We started seeing like the early like processes of, of, of building like compilers for the front-end, like around the node ecosystem we started seeing yep. people building like static site generators to take like just a bunch of content and spit out like uh, all the html needed in a compilation project process we saw people starting to build single page applications we saw the browser makers start pushing for progressive web applications and so on right and that meant that 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 the front-end field really turned into to to a more complex field of building really highly dynamic and interactive user experiences. And that also started meaning that if you just try to sort of stuff that into a traditional like monolithic application, the front end developers got extremely constrained in what they could do. So we started seeing like this movement to start decoupling the front end presentation layer from the sort of back end platform and business logic layer. And at the same time, we started seeing this backend layer split into all these different APIs and services where some are your own, but a lot of them are other people's services. Again, like Stripe, Twilio, and so on, right? Yeah. And, and I started seeing an opportunity to to really create like a platform around that web presentation layer, the, the actual user experience layer, and, and a platform for the developers working on that work stream, right? And and really around this idea of decoupled architecture where you have teams that work on just the web presentation there and consume all these different APIs and of course often collaborate very closely with API teams or sometimes build the APIs themselves, but really work with that decoupled model. Um, so um, I got together with, with, uh, with one of my best friends back from Denmark that I've known for more than 25 years by now. We, we went to high school together and so on and, and uh, convinced him to, to join forces. And, uh, and we started Netlify, launched Netlify, just the two of us out of private beta in 2015. And then it's been like fast paced growth since then. By now we have more than uh, like, by now we have around one and a half million developers on the platform. Wow. We are reaching a, around 600 million unique visitors to to sites and app hoster and Netlify every single month, um, and uh, and and have grown the team to more than 130 people, um, have raised um, around 100 million dollars in in venture venture funding, and have really been able to use this to to drive forward this idea of a decoupled architecture. We also started forming sort of a community around that under the like. We, we coined the term Jamstack um, to really have a name to talk about this architecture where you start, start really like decoupling the front end and the back end and you know, compile just, the UI, distribute yeah. it to the edge and then pull in data as needed. Yeah, so I mean, that's a, that's a really interesting concept because, you know, for me, I consider myself a hacker. You know, I'm a guy that, that you know, I've been in, I've been in, you know, every single field. I actually started. I was. I, I have a music studio here too, by the way. I so I'm, I'm music. I I do. I love music tech. I used to create controllers for big bands like Ozzy Osbourne and things like that. Oh, nice. But, That's awesome. But um, you know, uh, 
but tech is 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 my thing and i consider myself as i said a hacker so my big problem is is when i create an application i'm always looking at it and i'm thinking well okay there's javascript and javascript is really the the you know json is what you're passing around these days so that is pretty much you know the the way that you're you're kind of transporting that i'm a python guy and i'm a go guy but you know like you're a me, lot of guys yeah i'm a lot, of, a guys. lot of guys <laughs> but but you know really to me it seems cleaner if you're going to go from like i'd rather do node on the back end now and do something javascripty on the front end because then you're kind of keeping it native instead of having to go from one to another so you can kind of keep that same construct so but i always have this problem because i'm always like you know they got to come up with a better scenario to work with the front end and the back end. I'm definitely not a good front end guy. I'm a really good back end. You know, I can get through the back end development. I can pull in APIs. I can stitch stuff together. Um, but, you know, I'm always like, I got to create like different projects and those different projects have to then communicate. And how do you manage all that stuff together? And it always gets like so convoluted. So you really need some kind of concept to kind of bring this all together. It sounds like that's kind of like what you guys are doing. Yeah, the Jamstack is sort of the architectural way of thinking about it, right? Like, how do you approach building applications and websites with this decoupled approach? How do you aim to to create, like, architectural clarity and so on, right? And then from Netlify's side, what we offer is really, like, a, a, a platform that both have a runtime for, for the for the modern web that includes, like, the primitives that, 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 that we really saw emerging around this decoupled approach, and that would be, like, CDN-based edge hosting, um, serverless functions um, and, um, and, and this whole level of like, what, what do you need to actually run and route requests, right? Like a very so you bring the on-ramp too. So you just, you so, gave them the framework and the on-ramp to get on there. So, it so seems we, like. we stay away from the actual framework, but we gave them the runtime and then we gave them the, a very tightly integrated workflow layer with its own CICD pipeline and collaborative pipeline, right? But where we have like taken an agnostic approach is in the specific framework, like whether you want to build with 11T or React or Next or Gatsby or ViewPress or Vitesse or Toast or like there's, there's so, so many, many of them. Yeah. Tools, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's many of those tools because it's still like a very active area of discovery, right? Like and 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 because the frameworks and, and what you built there in many ways are what allows front-end developers to, to create differentiated experiences, right? Like um, if, if you are limited as a front-end developer to, imagine as a front-end developer that you were limited to use two different WordPress templates. And that was yeah. the whole framework you could use, right? Like all, all your projects would more or less look the same and, and every project in the world would look the same, right? You'd make you it easy. No, you would, it would be easy, but as but if you were doing that for your business, right? Like, how yeah. would you differentiate from all the other places using the same two WordPress themes, right? Like, as a front end developer, you're in charge of really building the, the the experience that your customers interact with. And today, especially after 2020, right? Like that online experience is typically the only experience that customers interact with, right? Like, it's typically like yep. what what people actually see of your company. Right? I actually. I actually get upset. Like, let's just talk about like you know going to a restaurant, and when they don't have online ordering, I won't. I won't order from them. I just I don't like yeah, to call yeah. anymore. I just don't want to call. <laughs> so you know, I yeah. understand what you're saying about you know that's that's really the experience. When when it's a bad experience online, I, I get very like I I won't yeah. I won't want to go back to there, or I won't shop there initially, or I won't go to that site just because of the perception of that. But yeah. let's talk. Let's take it back one step. So. 
once you have this, do, what do people prefer to deploy it to? Is that something that is, so, is it so fast? That's what I'm saying. We're, yeah, we're the runtime. We provide yep. the runtime layer, right? So yep. when people build with Netlify, like with the Jamstack, people will, will use a lot of different deployment options. Some, some will self-host, a lot will build their own tooling on top of AWS and Fastly sure. and combined with CircleCI and uh, so on. Like... We, we just offer, like, if you're working with the Jamstack, you can come to Netlify and we'll give you all the best practices for how to set up your workflow and your development tooling. And we'll give you, like, a best-in-class runtime built on top of all the different cloud providers, including edge hosting, serverless functions, edge routing rules, all of all of that, identity service, form processing, and, and, and so on, right? Um, so, so we, of course, a very, very popular deployment target for, for Jamstack applications, um, and and I've, of course, I have the goal of building the the best possible place to build and deploy your your Jamstack applications. So, so does that? Sorry, Andrew. Does that? Uh, so when you say you you provide that um, kind of uh, infrastructure, do you orchestrate the build and all the policy and all that on those platforms, and they get to choose what platform? No, we we take we we, we try to. We think that the developers working on this should focus on actually building differentiated experiences, and we should reduce the friction from writing code to getting that code on a URL. So anything that gets in between your code and a highly optimized URL served out of an edge network, that's a distraction that we want to help you get rid of. Cool. Andrew. Sorry. Yeah, no, so so I'm going to, you know, it's funny because like I'm not a developer. I am not a hacker. I'm a product manager. And <laughs> yeah. so and so I listen to what sounds to be like you describing a grocery list because I, I heard toast at some point or something. Yeah, anyway, so, so I want to go back a little bit to where we were talking about the three-tiered application because let's be honest, uh, that is where I feel like a lot of people are. And, and I hate to say it, but I think a lot of CEOs or CTOs think of their applications and they, they literally think of a three-tiered app. Like they, they don't understand that there's, there, there's so much more to what's going on in their, their content and how it's delivered. So I guess what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is how, how do you kind of convince those people who ultimately own the checkbook that they need to go towards a different model for their developers? Like how do you bridge the gap between I've got an app tier, a, you know, a load balancer, an app, and a and a database to this notion where okay, we're going to have all these, all our contents can be on the edge. It's going to be automatically provisioned and hosted as needed, and then we'll we'll keep our data on site. Like, what does that bridge look like? Yeah, it's a good question, right? Like, of course, our approach to it have been a very like bottom up motion of uh, getting this into the hands of as many developers as possible and uh, offering a free very broad free tier where people like where developers can sign up for Netlify and build with our platform. We've been a big supporter of the open source community and run a lot of the large open source projects in the in the world today. And um, of course th this this is because in the end we believe that that the future is very developer driven, right? Like and and these choices are best when they are made by developers. So what we'll typically see is that in larger companies we'll have developers that start adopting Netlify for their own projects, for hobby projects and so on, then they'll run into a problem at work. Um, that's typically a smaller project. Let's say it's like a campaign side or an internal documentation side or a, like a, an, an API documentation platform or something like that, right? Where they feel, okay, this is like something 
where I can go to my engineering manager and say, hey, I've, I've been using this tool called Netlify, and I've been able to build much, much faster and deliver much better results than, than I can do with all of our internal like tooling. How about we, we take this project and, and build it with Netlify? And then so you're, you're, the, uh, you're the reason I get to talk about shadow IT to yeah. these, these, these CEOs, because it's, I mean, it's funny because what you're describing is very much a paradigm shift in the industry, which is yeah. Yeah. your, your developers are like, you know what, from an infrastructure perspective, you know what, I don't, I don't care. Right. I like, I'm going to go use these platforms that are already made. Yeah. Give them a credit card. It's very nuanced of our use case. And now all of a sudden it's like, I don't need it anymore. I don't need the, the operations team or anything like that. Yeah. So, so Andrew, I mean, I, I would argue that's, you know, that's kind of what we do too, because, you know, when people are, you know, uh, grabbing that concept of Kubernetes and, and serverless and all the stuff that we talk about, um, you know, that, right there denotes microservices and that right there denotes that you're not going to have that uh you know multi-tier application anymore we don't really care about the tiers we care about endpoints that communicate together and people on the on the uh audio aren't going to see my fingers clinging together here but uh yeah so we care about those endpoints and you know and and connecting to different services and that's oh, the key there, yeah. you know, so everything is service and kind of relationship driven at this point, you know, so we don't care who talks to who we, we want security and governance over those things, but we don't care. We want, we want to be able to connect to anything, get any kind of information, process that information and create these experiences for people that are very relevant to whatever it is that they that they need. So, so let's, think, uh, let's get into yeah. weeds here a little bit then. So Matt, yeah, I guess, I uh, you have a thought. Yeah, go go for it. Yeah, yeah, I would just add to that that another similar thing, like you 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 really described like that, that a lot of enterprises are already looking at, at that side of the transformation, right? Like of of, of going cloud native, of building a lot of different sure. APIs and services, right? And one of the things that's also been a been a driver for making that mental model very natural has also been the emergence of of mobile, right? Where traditionally again, traditionally like the web was built with this entire architecture, right? Where everything was like a monolithic application, you would send a request and that request would send back a piece of UI to you. Then the iPhone came along and Android came along and people developed like models for how to build applications for, for those devices, right? And the logical model they all came up with was like, you'll install a UI and then that'll talk to different APIs, right? Yeah. Like, and suddenly that also really accelerated this kind of APIification, right? And, and what's happening around the Jamstack is in a certain way going back to the web and saying, like, why don't we architect it in the same way? Why don't we build a, a UI layer, an experience layer that talks to this API instead of, like, sending UI from our servers in one big, like, intermingled blob of, of business logic and, and UI logic, right? Like, why don't we, if we've already had to decouple the APIs to serve the mobile apps, why don't we just use the same architecture on the on the web yeah that makes a lot of sense you know what, what i don't understand is and maybe they have this i mean i just haven't seen it is why isn't there like an open api uh you know app that allows you to pull in those apis into a web and just create those interactions without any kind of programming so you could just like pull it in move things around create different widgets you know so, so this is a common question, right? Like, yeah. and there's the whole no-code movement around yep. enabling like designers and so on to build without code. But I think it fundamentally underestimates like 
and and there's plenty of solutions for that i should say at the lower level right like if you just want a standard website you you can go to a site yeah. builder and you can get yeah. a run-of-the-shelf website and you can customize the colors and the logo and so on right but when you have real enterprises like going to market like through 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 digital means right like this is again especially over the last year the way you you approach consumers what you get in front of them that that is your product right like that's who you are as a company like there you don't want a run-of-the-mill like yeah this is just some random components thrown together right like mm-hmm. you want to actually be able to build your differentiation as a company as an interactive experience and that's why developers uh, like that's why front-end web developers are only getting more important in my view because like those are the developers that can actually really set your company apart especially as we get more and more ready-made apis and services for a lot of the business logic that's common for everybody right like no one no one needs to like very few people needs their company to differentiate in how signups works or how subscriptions functions or all of those things right like that's things where where, where if you get like octa or of zero or any authentication service or if you integrate with stripe and so on you're covered right yep yep but they need to they need to differentiate in the piece of business logic that's specific to them, which we'll typically see being built now as as, as APIs and services on top of cloud native platforms or, or serverless. And then they'll need to differentiate in the actual experience they can put together around around that uh, platform layer, right? And that's where really being able to program for the web becomes extremely important. Yeah, okay. so I I, th- I think that's why you see now, you know, obviously because it's an API world, but you see that we're we're starting to kind of abstract more and more. We started with Kubernetes, then yeah. we ended up with serverless, and now it's FAS. So yeah. where do we go next? Is it just like okay, one command and that's it? You know, <laughs> what's the next abstraction after that? But where what do you see developers doing? Do you see developers really, you know, taking on serverless and FAS and all this other kinds of stuff? instead of having to maintain their own environment. Yeah, I think ever since like when I started in in this in the technology space, most like the first company I worked for that that on on a web property had had a cooled room in their basement with their with their servers, right? Like and and uh, if the server went down, some technician from the yep. company would go like fix the server, right? Like um <laughs> Then we saw the, the the cloud come around and like we could start saying, okay, instead of having servers, so even like whether they are in our basement or in some data center, we can just like provision provision instances of, of server. We can pretend we still have servers, but we don't have to actually deal with them ourselves, right? And now I think with, with serverless, we started, we, we're starting to see, like, it's always a weird name because it's a name of something that's defined by not having something. And of course, <laughs> some, somewhere in that stack, there's still servers and boxes and hot disks and so on, yep. right? But I think the, the, the evolution there is that we start removing that as an abstraction that developers have to work with, right? Like, even even when we worked on the cloud, people would maybe have, like, their their v VPC droplet, right? Like they would go in and and uh, and and manage their server that had a host name and so on, right? And they would SSH into it, right? Like, and the development was very much like I have my server and I have my database, uh, and that's how I'm working, right? And I think it's just a question of 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 leveraging abstraction and saying, okay, 
that's actually not a useful abstraction for developer, right? There's no goal for a developer in, in running servers. The goal is to write functionality. So how can we build layers where, where developers can write code and deploy that code and know that now that code will, will run and function, but they no longer have to, to worry about the orchestration and the, and, and the underlying layer, right? Um, and of course, it's not that those layers disappear. It's just that you delegate it to to. It's a it's a level of management that that yeah. specialize in just doing that, right? Yep. And it's again, it's an area where it's the layers where none of us are really looking to differentiate, right? Like typical companies are not looking to differentiate in how they operate server farms, right? Like they're yep. looking to differentiate in what they're building with those, right? What so you're advocating more, really is is. Uh, value for money, essentially, yeah. you know, like yeah. it, it, it's at the end of the day, it's what are you in the business of doing? Are you in yeah. the business of running a server farm or are you yeah. in the business of exposing a website that uh, that, you know, makes clicks per money? So yeah. I guess the question I would ask, though, is so for some of these large. So what you're describing to me is perfect for, like, let's say a startup. Right. I, I just I need to scale as quickly as possible. Uh, my service needs to be available as readily as, as possible. But what do you say to like the larger enterprise who's maybe got concerns about data governance or like where things are actually running, um, how much they're paying per serverless function per se? Is there is there an easier path to serverless or is there is there a time where that path shouldn't be taken? Right. Like we've been talking a lot about like w content delivery. But in your mind, is there is there an area where it's like let's not go down the serverless path? So I think it I think it depends, right? Like I think part of what makes the, this like Jamstack approach very approachable to enterprises is that it's about like spinning off the the web presentation layer and then having like a clear decoupling where you can expose different APIs and services, right? And that opens up for like you're no longer coupling the choice of how you build that front end layer to the choice of how you build those different services, right? And that means that you you might see like really traditional enterprises that have mainframes and then have a little layer on top of their mainframe that expose some endpoints with functionality as, as web APIs that can be easily governed and controlled and so on. And now they can build like modern, flexible front-end web presentations layers in front of them. And then you'll see like newer startups that don't have a lot of legacy that might start just building their business logic and endpoint on top of like cloud native or serverless functions or so on and, and expose those, right? But the interesting thing here is regardless of, of, of whether you have an, an, an old legacy stack or, or you're starting from scratch, you can approach that web presentation layer in a modern way that allows your developers to move fast and build really compelling experiences. That's, yeah, I would, uh, that's, that's, that's an interesting take. And I, I, I appreciate the, the perspective. Yeah. And I, I would say that more things need to go into the web development. Like to me, when I think about, you know, these interactions between serverless and between, you know, even, you know, Kubernetes pods and things and spinning up, I think that, you know, we have to start advertising to the infrastructure what our needs are. So what I, what I mean by that is like, if you have an application and it needs to scale and it says, hey, I need to do something, it should be the one that's communicating with the infrastructure and asking for that. And I feel like there should be more APIs around communicating to 
you know, the infrastructure and self-scaling and self-organizing, you know, because I think that's the future is, is, you know, why do I have to, you know, create a YAML or create something that says what my application is when the application can say what the application needs, as long as they have the correct token or security or something like that, I think we should put more of that in the code. And you could argue something like Pulumi or something like that can do that. But, you know, I think, the APIs and the and the architecture start to need to have that communication. Yeah, I think that's really interesting part of the of the backend side of the serverless world where where tools like Pulumi and so on are turning more and more of that into like tying together the code that determines your infrastructure and the code that actually runs your APIs. That that's a really interesting space that I think is still in in very early like foundational stages, but but where we'll see really interesting developments over over the next years yeah there should almost be like a a open standard for communicating to back ends whether it be you know you request x amount of resources and that should be the same request regardless of the infrastructure from from (laughs) the from the from the web perspective i would actually argue that 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 should be something that you just don't have to worry about, right? Like when you're using, again, if you take some of these examples, if, if, if I'm building a, 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 an, an e-commerce or, or, or SaaS service today, right? And I, and I build my logins on top of uh, Auth0 and I build my payments and subscription method on top of, of Stripe, right? Yep. Like typically I won't, like, I won't care about, like, I, I won't go and ask Stripe, like, What's your replication strategy? Like what yep. availability zones are you running Stripe in? Like how are you doing like the, the backups, right? Like I, I know that that's something that, that from my perspective is found from like, it's like magic elves are solving that. <laughs> <laughs> like I just, I just know that, that yeah. Stripe will- It may will, not be true too. I mean, maybe they don't have that stuff, you know, under, maybe well, it seems I like- gonna, I, just, <laughs> I, I think when, when, when companies reach a certain like level of maturity, they, they probably have it better than you would build it. I was gonna say, <laughs> the only thing I would, I would advocate for is uh, double check those SLAs. Yeah. But you do that from, from a business perspective, right? Yes. And from a development yes. perspective, it's no longer an abstraction you 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 work with, right? But then yeah. we still have a bunch of layers where as developers, we're still constantly thinking about like, okay, now I have my own database. It's running in these reliability zones. I've given it so much disk space and I've set this replication strategy and so on. And that feels like something that over time will be API-fied in the same way where, where we'll start getting to a, to, to a world of what you could call serverless databases, right? Where, yeah. where even for those data layers, you start saying like, I, as How many a developer, rows per minute do you need? <laughs> yeah, yeah, as a developer, you just start expecting to like, write, read data, write data and read data, right? Yeah. And then, and then there's some API contract that will like rate limit me or, or yep. whatever but I don't have to like think about the underlying infrastructure. Right? Yeah. I think we'll see that that way of building towards a serverless like um, abstraction level, right? Where, where in general, whether it's like the code we run or whether it's the data we process, normal developers will not have to, to, to deal with the abstraction of like the, the disk sizes and the memory like for the instances or or so on right like and of course we're not fully there yet at all right but yeah. i think in the terms of like where things going we will build system that 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 
are better at making those decisions and handle that than the than the typical individual developer. And it will set developers free to focus on actually building like differentiated experiences. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point. I mean, you know, why should we have to think about all of that stuff? I mean, really, you, you have data IO, you have, you know, if you break it down to what your needs are, you know, you, you really just need to consume things, put things, you know, it's just, it's just, it's all input and output. That's all. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But you just want to consume it in a different way. And, you know, you know, those services could just be given to you. And that's a great, maybe that's the next thing that happens in cloud, you know, is, is all of that. You know, I, I never even thought about, you know, doing database that way, but, um, you know, really for any service, you know, yeah, yeah. I and mean, the, Twilio, the, if, yeah, you want, if you want, if you want, like, you know, like PhoneDB, that's, yeah. like PhoneDB is one of the earlier that's trying to really turn, turn data into just a globally distributed API, right? Like, and I think we'll, we'll see more of, of those, um, we're still in the early stages of it, but, but I think like we, we'll see more and more of this APIification of any of, of everything. Yeah, no, that's that's really that's really interesting. Yeah, this from the services layer, I think that's that's definitely where we're we're headed. Um, I'm just you know it's it's interesting because I, you know Andrew and I we represent as I said cloud native products yeah. over here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we always have to think about the different personas and, and how to consume it. So this is really interesting in that, you know, we think about the IT ops person and the DevOps person, and we think about CI, CD pipelines, and we think about networking and server and all this kind of stuff. And how do we kind of converge these worlds together? And really, maybe it's not how we converge it, but how we add these services around, you know, maybe offerings that we have so that it makes it simplified instead of trying to say, hey, IT guy, manage all these servers and all this kind of stuff. We say, hey, here's an interface that just provides these services. Don't worry about what's behind it. We'll provide the SLAs and things like that. So maybe it's maybe it's a totally different approach that's needed in this. I don't know. Basically, the, the classical <laughs> idea of encapsulation, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like it's how just, do we, it's, it's how do we create thought. abstractions by by hiding complexity and and having like one one system handle that complexity? So so from the outside, it's it's more of a black box that we don't have to 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 understand in depth when we are working on the level above. Yeah. So from the Cisco perspective, you know, from from where we are, we have a lot of traditionalists that that just yeah. say, "Hey, I'm running it this way. We're the server team. We're the network team. We've done it this way." But you know, we we also have a, a mix of DevOps too, and you know, it's like it's so hard to figure out how to create or to or to kind of bring these products together that will kind of answer both these questions. So you know, yeah. that's why I, I find again, I find this conversation very interesting. <laughs> Glad to hear. <laughs> So, think, um, uh, I, I think a lot of things, I think a lot of this conversations over my head. Um, <laughs> no, no. I mean, joking aside, it's funny because there's, there is those two worlds and to a certain degree, you know, I think developers are at, moving at warp speed to be completely honest. And, yeah. you know, the, you know, but then the IT operations group, uh, more or less has been told, Hey, like, you know, all that stuff that you were doing for the private data center, we also want you to do that for the public data center. So they're basically, they're basically put in charge of this daycare with all these developers just running around doing whatever the heck they want. Uh, and they all have their own credit card. Uh, so it's, it's kind of scary. So, um, I, you know, before we wrap up, I, I did want to talk a little bit about Netlify just a little bit more because you talked about the platform. Um, yeah. you know, I, I guess if, if you want to get a little bit more specific about what, what you guys are doing and how somebody might go about using you to, you know, the best of their ability in the short term as a transition. 
Yeah, it, absolutely, right? Like, so at Netlify, we both we both run the infrastructure layer and the and the CSD and workflow layer, right? Like, so that means that web developers will come to us. They will like essentially work with some front end framework, right? Like, and there's as I mentioned, there's like this is like a very evolving space, right? Let's say they are building an an app with React. They will go in. They will just tell us, "This is my Git repository." We'll identify this is a React application. We'll set up a production grade CI/CD the uh, pipeline uh, in about uh, thirty seconds and give them like distribution directly to a globally distributed edge network. So I was uh, going to say you have, uh, I'm assuming, a CDN sort of component to the solution. Yeah, yeah, we we run our own uh, edge platform on top of all the different cloud providers, right? So we run on basically all the different edge locations of uh, AWS, Azure, Google Compute, and uh, even Yandex and so on, right? Like to get distribution. Um, we integrate with uh, AWS Lambda for serverless functions, but again, really just simplify it. So for example, if you have a React front end um, and you add a, a folder with your serverless functions, whenever you push to Git, we'll both deploy that React front end, but we'll also deploy those serverless function and our edge will instantly act as the API gateway. There's no configuration needed or anything. You just write the code and then it's live. If you open up a pull request, We'll build that pull request and we'll give you a production URL with just that pull request that you can go and visit serverless functions, the front end, everything is deployed together. You can set up like proxy rules, edge rules, anything just from the Git repository, right? So we really aim to to plug into that Git-centric workflow that's really become like the main workflow for, for modern developers, the way, way people collaborate and, and work together. And then just extend that all the way to 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 production. So so the developers just focus on their collaborations in, in GitHub, work locally. We give them tooling, so so our whole like routing layer and everything can can, can run locally when when they're in development mode and so on, right? And and really just aim again to reduce the friction from writing code to sharing it on a URL. So what does it look like from a, uh, from, again, I'm IT ops, so there's data yeah. that's involved in the front end that needs to get exposed. So, so I would argue you're not even that. But I'm not okay. even that. To be honest. <laughs> um, where does that data be, where's that data uh, getting stored? You know, what, what are these developers who are using Netlify telling their, uh, their administrators, you know, I need the data here. I need it. Do I need it to have it in AWS to, to pull it they, from, or, you know, they, they will ask, they will ask for an API endpoint. Exposed okay. as the REST API or GraphQL API or the like, right? Sometimes they'll route that through our edge network to have it like behind our our edge and to like set authentication headers or whatever. Sometimes they'll talk directly to 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 an external API endpoint, right? But the general idea is that you start doing that decoupling. Another yeah. another common pattern is taking all the data that doesn't change very often. And during the build step in the CI/CD pipeline, you fetch that data. Like you might not even expose it to the public web. You just fetch it during the build process and then run a build tool that builds out your whole web presentation layer. And we deploy that and, and, and you get the benefit of like for, for that layer, like everything is pre-compiled, lives directly on the edge network. It gets incredibly fast, incredibly scalable, and you sort of limit all the all the runtime access to the data layer. So you get like huge benefits in security and governance and so on. 
That's interesting. No, that, that, I mean, that's, I think, the to me, the key takeaway from this conversation yeah. is that decoupling. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's what the platform can offer you. But yeah. I think even before you get to that stage, you have to, you kind of have to think yeah. about yeah. a new way of, of doing your presentation. Yeah. And that's also, I mean, that's, of course, also something that, that, that we've started offering to enterprises, right? Like to do a, like what we call a, a Jamstack assessment and, and come in with, with solutions architects that can help them navigate. Okay. If we, if we were to adopt this architectural approach, where, where do we have some projects we could easily start with and, and what kind of return of investment could we expect and what kind of like, how would we need to train our developers and so on, right? And, and it's one of those yeah. things where it's like Greenfield is probably the right answer, but more importantly, it's how can I take what we're doing in Greenfield to slowly approach yeah. the brownfield, right? Precisely, Which is where, yeah. where yeah. you might be a little worried about losing money or things not working out, but you know, yeah. Precisely. Yeah, it's also something we've from the beginning built, like because of course, all larger companies will have a lot of legacy infrastructure, right? And it's very important for us that we can work well with them in that context. So we, for example, from the beginning, built what we call the gradual migration feature, where you can essentially put Netlify in front of your existing web properties, just as a, just as a CDN that will just pass traffic through, right? And then any pages or any parts that you deploy to Netlify will start serving directly out of its network, but we'll do all the magic behind the scenes to to distribute bloom filters to the edge nodes and so on and figure out okay if it's not part of of, of what you've built and deployed to netlify we'll just route it to your dynamic origin straight from the edge nodes and so on right like because again like no no one no one's going to just go and rewrite everything in one fell swoop right we have to provide logical paths to to gradually adopting this this new approach yeah and i, I don't know about you guys but i won't buy a product unless it has magic in it so you know this has been this has been a great conversation um you know mike i don't know if you have any additional questions for matt but this is this has been i awesome. have lots of questions but it's gonna be longer than this 45 <laughs> minutes so you know uh, so, so for people uh for people who do have questions like mike uh matt uh, channels that people should follow you on or you know i we're obviously going to put the we're going to put the netlify um uh, information in in the show notes, but you forgot your key takeaways. Call? What about? Oh your- yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> any uh, yeah. Before we before we close out, any any key takeaways that you would like to to leave our listeners with? Um, I mean, obviously, just that I think that this, this this is an important architectural shift in how we 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 are starting to see like more and more companies built for the web. Right? You really decouple the web, decouple the web presentation layer and and talk to APIs and services. Right? And I think that that direction is going to be really important to to get faster time to market and be able to build competitive experiences absolutely my key takeaway yeah great well well, thank you so much so um yeah so like i was saying any any (laughs) um any any ways that people can reach you or follow you or anything like that you can you can follow me on twitter Uh, i'm bielman there it's hard to spell b-i-i-l-m-a-n-n but uh, nevertheless, it's 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 there, and of course, uh, at Netlify, we're we're very like uh, active in communicating around this uh, architectural shift, and we have like a very active community and blog. Um, we have a new platform called uh, explorers.netlify.com where you can learn how to get started with a lot of these different approaches. We mm-hmm. constantly post training material and so on, right? So so tap into to our community in general. And you can also go to jamstack.org to learn more about the architectural pattern and the community around that. Great, great. 
Well, this well, has been great. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I've actually have different thoughts on, uh, you know, where, where the industry is going from a, from a developer perspective. So I think this has been very enlightening on my, on my part. Yep. And these are all things that I, I should care about. And I do care about now because it, it sounds like it's a good opportunity for, for it ops and, and really the developers to, to come to some common ground about the best way to get value out of their content. So Absolutely. thank you. Thanks again. Well, this has been a great episode and uh, we hope to see you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening.